We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Broadcasting live from the Hyundai studio. Presented to you by your local Hyundai dealers. This is where Chicago goes to talk Bears. Sports Radio 670 The Score. Chicago's home for Bears fans. WSCR and HD Chicago. WBMX HD2 Chicago. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The score! Yeah, I've known DK for two years now. Um, he's been a coordinator with us for the last two seasons, and I, I've never heard a bad thing said about him by any hitter. Um, you know, he came over from the Dodgers and fit right in to our organization and, and immediately made a positive impact on the hitting department. Um, I think he, he really knows what he's talking about. He's great not only mechanically but also approach-wise. Um, and even mentally, he's able to, to talk guys through at bats and how pitchers are attacking people and how you know catchers are are attacking and pitching coaches and stuff like that. So he really knows the game really well, um, and I'm excited to see what he's able to do in the big league level. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio six seven. It's for David Hall, Bruce Levine until eleven o'clock. That was the voice of Matt Mervis, the Cubs' left-handed hitting first baseman who we talked to last week, and he was speaking about our next guest, which brings us to the guest hotline presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book, and where we find the Cubs' new hitting coach, Dustin Kelly. Dustin, welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. How are you this morning? Good morning, guys. Uh, doing really well. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. So how uh, surprised were you when they tapped you on the shoulder and said okay we want to talk to you about changing jobs going from minor league hitting coordinator to the everyday hitting coach for the Chicago Cubs what was your level of surprise and and why do you think they picked you yeah you know there there was a little bit of a surprise I had had recently um to even backtrack a little more I'd been the hitting coordinator for two years and then toward the end of the year um, I had actually taken our minor league field coordinator position as well. So I was still going to oversee a lot of the hitting, um, but then also do a lot more of the um, other baseball development. Uh, so when, uh, when that phone call came and I had talked to Jed, you know, I was, I was two feet in on the field coordinator position, trying to get myself acclimated in that way. Um, you know, in um, minor league instructional league was going on at that time as well. So it, uh, it was definitely something that was a little bit of a surprise, but um, you know, excited to uh, to take on the challenge for sure. Dustin, uh, when you uh, look at the uh, young players coming up in the Cubs organization, give us a little bird's eye view of, of what you've seen since you've been around the organization the last two years and, and what you see coming. Is, are there some exciting players uh, that aren't being mentioned that are still in the lower minor leagues that are something that have some some players that have caught your eye? 
Yeah, um, it uh, the, the Cubs minor league system is in a really good spot right now. I think most people, um, especially that are familiar with Chicago sports, realize that. But there's, you know, our main players are getting a lot of the hype, but there's some players at the lower levels that are uh, that are really good. Moises Ballesteros is is a left-handed hitting catcher that started out in the AZL that that can just really hit. Um, ended up in in Myrtle Beach, and Pedro Ramirez is another middle infielder. Um, switch hitter that can really hit. So there's there's players down at the lower levels that haven't gotten a, a ton of pub or, or press yet that are that are going to be really really good in a couple years. And I mean there were some guys like Jonathan Perlaza um, at the Double A level that just went off with extra base hits and and played really well. And we were lucky enough to re-sign him and excited to have him back. So you know the Mervises and the Pete Crow Armstrongs and and a lot of those guys had great years, but. There's some other ones that are uh, that are under the radar a little bit that we're excited about as well. Talking with Cubs hitting coach Dustin Kelly. Dustin, when you look around the league and you see you know, different approaches to different hitters and different lineups, what is the key to being a good hitting coach in today's Major League Baseball? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think that uh, if you ask 30 Major League hitting coaches, you would probably get 30 different answers. Um, and that's what's unique about this position. It's um, a lot of it is dependent on uh, your personnel, right? And, and who you have, um, what type of roster that's been put together and, and what are the strengths and weaknesses. And um, I think part of the job of the hitting coaches is, is identifying those and, and putting your players in the best possible situations to succeed. Um, you know, when it comes to game planning or in game approach and two strike approach of tailoring those nuances of, of an at bat, um, to that particular player. So uh, it's, you know, it's obviously a, a very tough job. It's, it's one of the hardest ones in, in all of baseball by the turnover that you've seen over the past 10 years or so. But, uh, you know, it's, it's designing your program, your practice style, and getting guys prepared every night um, that, uh, that really what it comes down to. And you'll see that those teams that get into the playoffs, have, they, they bought into a really team-first mentality. Um, to be able to manage their bats and, you know, listening to Tito talk and Chris Vilekas, the hitting coach there that, that I have some background with it. That's what they did so well is they were just a, a really good and pesky team type um, style of offense. You're listening to the voice of Dustin Kelly, the new hitting coach of the Chicago Cubs. He's David and Bruce. We're here for you 52 weeks out of the year talking baseball on Saturday morning on inside the clubhouse on the score. I guess the question would be, because hitting coach's jobs are so tenuous, Dustin, do you rent or buy in Chicago when you come here this uh, year? And, and by that, I mean it only in the nicest way, because when a league averages 238 uh, being the league average, obviously there's going to be general managers and owners that are not going to be happy with their stars hitting 204, even if they have 30 home runs and... 85 RBI. Uh, the job is a tough one. It's a difficult one. Uh, how do you how do you look at that coming in with the Cubs and what they have at the major league level as well? Yeah, I think that that's uh, that's one of the things that I'm most excited about is is the group of players that we have currently. There's some really talented players in there, um, and there's some guys that had some really good years last year, and and a couple guys that are on the verge of some really good years. Um, you know, what Nico did last year offensively and defensively um, in really his first full season, full major league season is impressive. And, 
and and what Hap did and and Seiya coming in and his his first year making that transition. Um, and then, you know, looking down and seeing like that there's some players that are at the upper minor league levels that have a chance to make an impact too. And, you know, managing some of those expectations of, you know, when guys come up, there's going to be a transition period um, and there's going to be a learning curve. And, and that's one of the things that I think that I can really help with and, and, and be a big presence in is, is helping those guys through those first, uh, those first couple months of their, of their major league debut and, and continuing on with, with the guys that are starting to be a little more established and, and getting them to the, their next, um, you know, plateau of where they want to go as a hitter as well. Dustin, I'm going to go back to the approach because the Cubs have so many young, impressionable prospects that are exciting, and they have a lot of guys who are closer to finished products. But certainly, you know, you look at the youth in the Cubs lineup last year, especially, and and you can get excited about it if you're a Cub fan. How much of the in that context of your job involves? psychologist keeping guys positive and then there's always the technician you got all that information at your disposal you got all those computer you know printouts and you've got all of that that knowledge that you're armed with but you've got to balance the two because you know a young player's mind can get too crowded and I wonder how you do that and what your experience is how they frame your approach with these young players yeah there's you know there's a lot of it that goes um, straight to the mental side right and, and physically and swing wise, most of these guys are in a in a plenty good enough spot to be successful major leaguers. Their swing is fine. Um, they have the the physical ability to be successful. Uh, but then it does come down to the mental side of it and the approach side of it. And, and I think what what's been done at the minor league level, with starting with Justin Stone, and and really building a minor league hitting system, is exposing these players to basically everything that they have access to at the major league level. Um, it may not quite be as in-depth, but the bare bones of it or the skeleton of it is very similar to what um, we see in the major league. So our players are being exposed to it. Um, they're, they're understanding what the metrics mean and, and what's important to their swing and their approach. Um, so the hitters meetings and advanced meetings that happen at the major league level, those are all happening in, you know, in, in their own form at Myrtle Beach and even in Arizona. So, um, you know, their familiarity with that is is just helping with the learning curve. And, and then you have to utilize your staff. I think there's a lot that's been that's said about our staff and the size of it. But these guys have been in the organization. They've been in these roles. Maybe the title didn't say assistant hitting coach, but Juan Cabrera and, and Jim Adushi and, and Knapp and those guys are all part of the hitting department. So you get a chance to lean on those, those guys that have that experience and, and can use some of the mental side um, that maybe I didn't have as a former player, but but Nap and Jim and Jay Wash and some of these other guys have different experiences that we can all pull from. Dustin, where do you stand on launch angle? Because uh, we we had the huge launch angle era. We're still in it in some ways, but the ball has been deaded, deadened by Major League Baseball as well as uh, the humidors around Major League Baseball. We saw the struggles that Ian Happ went through to be, to level out his swing just a little bit more, and we saw the great success he had with it last year, although sacrificing some power. Still extra base hits, but sacrificing some long ball power. Where where do you stand on launch angle? Uh, Is it a case-by-case situation, or is it still something that's pretty prevalent in the Cub organization? You know, it's probably more case-by-case. And when people say launch angle, I think they automatically assume the high, towering, you know, fly ball home run. Um, You know, the launch angle is also the the ground ball that's beat into the ground at 
um, you know, for a ground ball to third. So finding the, the happy medium and the balance for each particular hitter um, is probably the art, right? And, and we have the metrics and we have the numbers to be able to kind of tell us, like, this is where this guy should fall into. Um, and, and us identifying that and communicating that to the player. And, uh, you know, like, we, we definitely don't want guys hitting, you know, the super high pop-ups to, to shallow center field. And we don't want guys hitting, you know, rollover ground balls to third. And it's probably been said for, you know, 125-plus years that this game's been playing, like, line drives are really good, right? If, if you hit line drives, enough of them are going to split the gaps and turn into to doubles and triples. And, you know, you get under it a little bit more. And, and for some of the power guys, that turns into, you know, home runs. But it's, it's definitely not, uh, you know, a concept that you hear in the cage a lot. We're not talking about a launch angle swing or your launch angles this. It's, you know, swing at really good pitches hit the ball and, and hit the ball hard and, and we'll kind of dictate a little bit of the swing mechanics to, to adjust, you know, maybe some of those launch angles up or down, but it, it hasn't really, it's probably not as played out as, as what it seems like in the media sometimes when you're actually in the batting cage, these guys know what a, a good squared up ball looks like and feels like. Talking with Dustin Kelly, the Cubs new hitting coach and Dustin, I think it's interesting because we have Tommy Hadovy as a regular guest on the Mullen Haw show during the season. And he, he is very quick always to talk about the other forces in play and the other voices that he are are talking about pitching and his job is more collaborative. And I think that's the approach it sounds like that you're taking to uh, as as the new hitting coach. You're the lead hitting coach, but you're not the only one. The Cubs will have also Johnny Washington, Jim Aducci, Juan Cabrera. I, these are guys who are more of a group think or group approach and you see other teams the, the Giants I think the Tigers also among them why is that happening more in Major League Baseball and why is that important yeah I think it's happening because it, front offices have just started to realize that there's there's value in bringing different voices and different ideas in people that can communicate right and like the communication is the key if you get a group together that communicates really well and collaborates really well then we're able to use past experience, knowledge, some analytics, and we can all put our heads together, um, you know, prior to a series, prior to a game, and start to come up with what, what the messaging is for those particular players or that individual player. Uh, you know, and to be honest, it, it helps take some of the burden off one particular guy and allows myself or Johnny or PP or, or someone else, Juan Cabrera, we call him PP, um, it allows them to maybe look at it from a different lens as opposed to one hitting coach trying to be in the cage prior to a game, getting one hitter ready while there's 13 other guys that are, um, you know, kind of waiting in the, in the, in the back trying to get ready as well. So it's just the collaboration of mind together is, um, you know, as long as we communicate really good and collaborate, um, it's, it's a dynamic team for sure. Okay, Dustin, now that he's a free agent, um, when the Cubs sign Cody Bellinger to the three-year deal that they're going to sign him to, how do you <laughs> fix what was once an MVP swing back into being the, uh, the, the talented and uh, certainly gifted player who's hit uh, a combination of 200 over the last couple of years? And again, I, I'm, I'm trying not to get you in trouble here, but at the same time, uh, <laughs> there, there is there's no tampering at this point because... Well, 
a, a guy like that can Cannon is a free can. Yeah, Dustin. What Bruce is saying is, if only the Cubs had somebody who knew Cody Bellinger's swing from <laughs> way back to unlock it. <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it is uh, it's a topic that comes up all the time. You know, you hear it on ESPN and you hear everything, and I think a lot of people started to see the writing on the wall that that they were going to non-tender Cody and. I'm sure he's going to be sought after by um, quite a few teams. He's obviously a dynamic player, uh, you know, plays a great defense. And, and, you know, I think that there was obviously some things that he struggled with the last two years, but there's going to be plenty of teams I think that are, that are on the Cody Bellinger uh, watch list for sure. You have any, so Dustin, I think him? everybody yeah. go ahead, Bruce. Yeah, I'm sorry. Any history with him? You know, just back. a little bit. I, I was a lower level minor league hitting coach during those years. I spent some time at the uh, at the alt site, uh, but obviously Cody was actually in the big leagues and wasn't on the taxi squad at that. So there's there's definitely some familiarity and uh, you know some some cordial hellos and but ne- never anything like breaking down swings in the cage with him or anything like that. So, so Dustin, every baseball fan listening has somebody who, when they were growing up playing. They tried to emulate a swing or a batting stance. Mine was George Brett. I loved the way that he stood in the box, and I loved his, his fluid swing. When you were uh, growing up, when you were patterning your swing after somebody, and he maybe even now in a coach, when you think of the perfect swing, who is that player or who is that a collection of players? You know, it's, it's probably a, a little bit of foresight in my sight because I was actually – I loved Cal Ripken Jr. I mean, he was like – I was a middle infielder. And Cal Ripken Jr., if you guys know, he changed his swing every week, right? And, like, that's just – now you look at it and you're like, how did somebody do that at that level for that long? Uh, but he was just so feel-based. And, you know, if it didn't feel right one day, uh, you know, he would change his stance a little bit. So I loved watching Cal Ripken. Um, I, I probably changed my stance and my swing too much trying to emulate him. Uh, but now as a hitting coach, like, okay, let's just stick with one here and let's perfect one and, and get one uh, really, really good. So maybe that was me uh, setting up my future of not being a very good hitter in the long run anyway. <laughs> Dustin, David, and I appreciate your time. Uh, a quick one here, and I know it's probably not going to be easy to answer in 30 seconds, but why aren't more adjustments made in the box by hitters? It's not – it's not as obvious anymore that there are adjustments being made. It's the same swing very much uh, from from ball from the first pitch to the fifth or sixth. Uh, where are the where are the Scott Pesedniks of the world that would move up in the batter's box because they knew a breaking ball was going to come and, and try to get ahead of that? Are, are guys not comfortable enough to change within a, a bat? We could go on for hours on this probably. So giving me 30 seconds is a little okay. unfair, but uh, you know, I, <laughs> I do think, you know, you'll see subtle differences and, and it may not be as drastic as it used to be with guys moving up on the plate, choking up um, and doing that. But you do see subtle little differences. I think that um, the influx of information has really changed that um, pitchers are attacking hitters exactly how they know how to get them out. Right. And so for, for hitters to, uh, to know that they, they realize that I have to almost be perfect at times to be able to even put the ball in play and, and then, you know, try and get a hit. So it does happen. It's probably not quite as drastic as it, as it was in the eighties and nineties. Uh, but I think the information has changed a lot of that as well. Um, but like, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's a really good point and, and observation that you don't see the big time adjustments, but there are little adjustments with the cat and mouse game that are going on between pitcher and hitter. 
Dustin, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck with the Cubs. See you in spring training. Thank you, guys. Appreciate your time. Dustin Kelly, the new hitting coach for the Chicago Cubs, Bruce. Bright, young coach, uh, good addition to the major league staff. It, but as you point out and kind of asking him tongue-in-cheek if he's renting or buying, nice question. Eighth hitting coach in 12 years for the Cubs. That's a, a trend they would like to see stopped. And he made a nice adjustment on the Cody Bollinger question, too. Uh, <laughs> you can, he can bob and weave with the best of them. I mean, uh, you know, that's not an easy question to answer because here, here he is, the, the new free agent. And as he said, there'll probably be 15 teams interested in looking at Cody Bellinger here, thinking their people, their hitting guys, can get him back to being the MVP caliber hitter that he was three or four years ago. Well, since you brought it up, let's explore that a little further. It is our, one of our favorite segments, Chicago Bound next on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The score, welcome inside the clubhouse. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. I'm going to tell you something that you all should know. Chicago is the greatest place I ever know. I'm going to stay in this town. I'm going to live in this town. I'm going to live in Chicago. Cubs and Sox are off for the winter, but inside the clubhouse starts the hot stove discussion now. David and Bruce take a look at which free agents and trades the Cubs and Sox should explore. Will Jose Abreu be back on the south side? Will Wrigley Field be the next home for Aaron Judge or Trey Turner? Does Wilson Contreras as a Cardinal make sense? You help them make the call. 312-644-6767. That ball is crossed. It is Welcome back inside the clubhouse. Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 in the score. David Hall, Bruce Levine. Thank you, Sportsnet LA, for that highlight of the Grand Slam by the Cubs opening day center fielder, Cody Bellinger. Oh, wait, a little ahead of myself here, Bruce. But, boy, the Dodgers' decision not to tender Cody Bellinger a contract 
as we have been discussing, Bruce, it almost makes too much sense for the Cubs not to maybe even risk, I don't want to say overpaying, but they need to be at the front of the teams that are, are bidding for his services. Would you agree or not? Wait a minute. What about that White Sox team on the south side? Uh, do they need a left-handed bat? Do they need a uh, an outfielder that uh, can make something happen there? Can they use a uh, first baseman that hits from the left side to, to go along with Vaughn from the right? I, I don't know. I think either side of town, David, looks good to me. I know we're hitting to all fields here. We're spraying to all mm. fields. But mm. Bellinger is a uh, a very interesting player. Here's a guy... 38 home runs, 130 RBIs four years ago, and uh, just over the last two years, his average less, uh, batting average less than 200 with no slug. Um, just a, a, an unbelievable drop-off. Will the quote-unquote change of venue be the salvation of Cody Bellinger's career, who's only... I think he's 27 or 28. Uh, I don't, he's 27 I don't years he's old, Bruce. Old. And yeah. you, you raise a good question about the White Sox. Here's why I think the Cubs maybe more quickly come to mind. He would be playing center field with the Cubs. With the White Sox, he'd have to play a corner because they're not moving Luis Robert. With the Cubs, he's also playing in the National League, and I know that there will be interleague play and all these kinds of things that maybe just make that a lesser of a point, but it's still – maybe something he's more comfortable with. The other thing is I think the Cubs are more likely to overspend or dig deep than the White Sox are, and I think you're talking about a guy who offers them an opportunity to be a bridge to something. The White Sox, his role would be win now. With the Cubs, it'd be, okay, hold down the fort because, you know what, Pete Crow Armstrong is on the way. Brendan Davis is on the way. Alex Canario is on the way. All these prospects on the way. Cody Bellinger could be the guy that gives them a very – good upgrade in talent at a very key position. He's a good first baseman as well, David. True. Uh, having a left-handed hitting first baseman. If the if Brayu thing doesn't work out, and I, from all my, all the sources, all the people I talk to, he's still number one on the Cubs list. Uh, I'm, I'm sure by this point there's been uh, contact with the agents and conversations about Abreu coming to the Cubs. Boston will be there for him. So will uh, teams uh, like uh, uh, Houston. Houston would be a sexy place for him. But my point is, it's a left-handed game. He's he's already proved that he could be one of the big stars of the game. Now, what team's hitting coach or manager doesn't have the ego to think, Bellinger's a great talent. We can fix him here. And then the question the general manager will ask, and what the owner will ask is, yeah, but how much is he worth at this point? He was going to make something like $18 million. Uh, what type of contract, David, does a Cody Bellinger get from somewhere? I imagine it'll, it'll range anywhere from one to four years and with options on every year uh, on, on performance, uh, things that they can look at on number of games that he's played on. Uh, you know, there's going to be criteria involved in any contract for Cody Bellinger. He's a former MVP, and he's a former Rookie of the Year. He's got a World Series ring. He's a lot of the things that are traits of a winning player, and he's got a lot of the talent that remains, and he's only 27. I think that you could reasonably structure a deal 
that is a three-year deal, and he would be approaching somewhere between 18 and $20 million a year. That's a lot of money and a big investment. But, Bruce, we're talking about a team in the Cubs that could can't afford it, and you're talking about a team that needs a talent upgrade massively throughout the lineup. Now, that may also be related to what else they do. We know their pitching priorities. We talked about Carlos Correa all the time. John Morosi was the latest to, uh, to what I think – state the obvious this week the Cubs need to be aggressive in going out and signing Carlos Correa he fits perfectly on the north side once you get him maybe Bellinger looks at that and says wow okay now maybe there's a Pied Piper effect I don't know Bruce but I think that Bellinger too makes too much sense for the Cubs to just not be aggressive here yeah I I, there's some good points there David I I just think that um with Bellinger being only 27 years old, that uh, people are going to talk themselves into the fact that he can be fixed, okay? But again, he was so bad over the last two years that there will be some doubt in there. I mean, you're talking about hitting 160 at some point. So, I mean, you know, that's, that's just no concept whatsoever from a guy that used to hit the ball with authority. Let me ask you this. Is this over over stating it or, or getting – is this an apt comparison? Bruce, a couple of years ago, Ian Happ looked like a guy who was struggling as mightily as Cody Bellinger did last year. Ian Happ was a guy who we could have the conversation and probably did on this radio station about whether or not this was a long-term solution for the Cubs. Right now, we're encouraging the Cubs to lock up Ian Happ long-term because he's a gold-glove outfielder who has fixed his swing. Are there comparisons to be drawn to the way the Cubs rehabilitated or the way that Ian Happ changed the course of his career and looking at Cody Bellinger as, okay, this is a bad year, but he can recover because we've seen this before? You know, it's good stuff that you bring up, David, because here's the key to all that. Ian Happ had to be open to change. It didn't happen overnight. He was resistant because, let's face it, he was the number one draft pick. He made it to the big leagues. He was pretty successful with home runs right away as a uh, Cub hitter when he started to play every day. And when they sent him to the minor leagues, all all of a sudden it was like, Ian, you have to change your swing or you're not going to be a major leaguer. And there was resistance there. So let's fast forward to Bellinger now. Mm -hmm. According to the people I talked to, he has been resistant in changing things in L.A. Okay. Now that it's a fact, and it's a situation where he has to go somewhere else. He will go somewhere else. Will he have a different mindset if that indeed has been the case of, I can fix this myself? Um, a new place to play, new fans, and a new coaching staff, hopefully, will be the cure for Cody Bellinger. Failure can be very persuasive, Bruce. And relatively speaking, Cody Bellinger would look at last season as a failure. So I think he might be more open to those kinds of things that you reference. That's a great point. Also, with the Cubs, if the Dodgers pivot and go after a guy I mentioned last week, a guy who might have been on the Cubs radar, Kevin Kiermeyer, defensive-minded center fielder, if he's off the market, maybe that removes one other guy and they look at Bellinger. I don't know if the two are related at all, but it is very interesting as our other possibilities, we'll go out to the phone lines because you guys have thoughts too. 312-644-6767 on the BetQL uh, listener line. And that brings us to Owen. Owen has a White Sox idea. Good morning, Owen. 
Hi, guys. How you doing? I know you guys have been talking a lot about the Sox pitching this morning, but I really think one of the things that, and I don't know if Hans already said he's going to probably do more in trades and free agencies, but I think one of the things he can do is you can go after Andrew Benatendi, if I'm pronouncing his name right. He's a left-handed bat, top-of-the-order guy. And then Adam Frazier, another left-handed bat that would balance this game. They both have wars over four. And then you try to move Anderson, and you plug in Alvis Andrus at short for the year until you groom your shortstop that's down in the minor leagues, like that young draft kid we got. And then you move, you can move um, uh, Mikata down the lineup where there's not enough pressure on him at the, at the two-hole because he's definitely not a two-hitter. And I think all of a sudden you change that lineup with some balance from the left side. Interesting. What do you think, Bruce? Well, it's going to be up to Pedro Grafal as far as how he utilizes his hitters. I think Anderson would be a more, much more productive hitter down in the order, okay, because he has one thing that you can't teach, and that is the hit tool. He can flat-out hit. He's a 300-lifetime hitter. Uh, as he's getting older and stronger, he's driving the ball more now. Uh, I think last year it's an aberration because of uh, situations that he had to deal with and then injuries twice that uh, limited him to about 80 games. But uh, I think a guy like Benatendi or, uh, you know, maybe a Frazier, someone else at the top of the order, uh, a left-handed hitter at the top of the order would be what they want to look for. And both those guys fill the bill. One's an outfielder, one's an infielder. But the reality of uh, bringing in some more left-handed hitting, some versatility, if possible, more speed. Uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's hard to find out there. Those are some of the things I think would change uh, the White Sox order. Before we go to break, Bruce, let's follow up last week's uh, Chicago-bound idea. Sean Murphy, the A's catcher who has been pursued by as many as seven teams, according to your report. Anything new rumbling about Sean Murphy and his next destination? No, I mean, the, the, the team list is expanding as far as uh, people being interested because they know Oakland has two really good young catchers and they're going to trade Murphy. So it, it, it's not uh, it's not it's, it's not if he's not going to go. It's when does he go? Um, so I, this trade market is starting to look pretty volatile. After a couple of years of uh, you had COVID one year last year, you had a lockout December 1st. I think people are really anxious to make some changes. And the best way to go is uh, making trades. There's a lot of young talent in Major League Baseball right now. So I think there's an opportunity for both the White Sox and Cubs to get involved uh, in, in something like Murphy because uh, he's, he's an outstanding defensive catcher. He's got power. You have him under control for a few more years. He'd be the ideal guy for either team. We are talking baseball, but you can talk Bears, especially if they beat the Falcons tomorrow. You want to talk Bears with Gabe Ramirez, Mark Grody, for the Miller Lite Top Draft Show, Tuesday at Tavern on the Point, located 6724 North Northwest Highway in Chicago, 7 to 10 p.m. While you're enjoying the broadcast and Double G, Grody and Ramirez and Gabe, register to win future Bears tickets and other prizes. Brought to you by Miller Lite. It is Miller time. We will wrap things up here on Inside the Clubhouse when we come back. David Hall, Bruce Levine, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. We're back with more Inside the Clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. Well, I, I was curious, to you're replacing a legend in Tony La Russa, and, and you're not in the game this long without 
crossing Tony's path at some point. Uh, was that awkward? Did you have a conversation with Tony? How, how do you view that with Larusa? Well, uh, you know, you can never fill his shoes. I mean, you're talking about a Hall of Famer that's done really everything in the game and somebody that I looked up to, um, you know, as a young coach uh, in, in the big leagues. Uh, I've spoken to Tony a few times. I spoke to him a couple years ago in spring training, and uh, we, we exchanged text messages, and, and he's pumped. I think he'll be around uh, spring training, and at some point we'll, we'll sit down and chat about the ball club. Welcome back inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7, the score. That was Pedro Grafol, the new White Sox manager on the MLB Network, responding to a question from Harold Reynolds. Bruce, that was interpreted as, oh boy, Tony LaRusse is still going to be around spring training. There are a lot of Sox fans, a lot of Sox fans on our station that did not appreciate that reference or the idea of Tony oh, LaRusse being around. Oh, he should just go away around. and hide, huh? He should just go away and <laughs> well, hide. Well, how did you interpret it, and, wh- and what should we expect? Well, I, I did I'll interpret it by telling you that I know he talked to Pedro before he was hired. So that was a conversation that he had at the behest of the White Sox as well to uh, talk to Pedro and uh, get his feelings about what he was. And obviously a big thumbs up from what I, uh, what I, uh, I, I found out. And uh, uh, again, will Tony La Russa, if health, if he's healthy enough, Will he be a part of the White Sox organization in some capacity? I would I would not be surprised if he's a uh, a consultant and works with the White Sox. Uh, I don't I don't see any reason why not. Uh, as far as uh, his impact or how he uh, how he handles uh, you know a clubhouse or a team, I don't think I don't think Pedro is going to be his own man, and uh, I don't think Tony's going to have any impact on that other than an advisory uh, capacity to the White Sox. That's my guess. How concerned should Sox fans be? How, how real uh, is it that you look at that image or that possibility and that perception? Because we are fueled by perception. As long, in addition to the question about Charlie Montoyo and as the bench coach and how that seems to be something that was thrust on or, or Pedro Graffol, it wasn't his idea this idea, Bruce, that this isn't necessarily Pedro Gafol um, calling the shots. He's being told what to do in, in a way that is this front office intrusion that we often talk about. Is that a concern of anybody's? Should it be? I think most teams these days uh, uh, hire most of the coaches and then the manager has one or two guys. I think the days of uh, managers having uh, the entire staff of coaches hired at his behest is uh, – that's way behind us. Uh, because of the fact, David, uh, you have to work with analytics. You have to work with player development. You ha- it, it has to be an inclusive thing with the assistant general managers, the player right. development people. So, it, so I don't think it's a horrible thing that uh, coaches are hired uh, along with managers. But, you know, managers, uh, what's the average, you know, lifetime for them? Three to four years on a as a as a manager in the big leagues, uh, the organization continues to move on with their coaches. So there will be new coaches. Uh, I, I I'm hearing that Daryl Boston might be back at first base. Not he- hearing the same thing about uh, Joe McEwing at this point, but um, he'll have his he'll have his coaches and uh, he'll have his input. But again, I don't think anybody should fear Tony Larusa having a negative impact. Uh, you know, he's a brilliant baseball mind. He's a, a, a guy that works together with people well, and 
having him around if Pedro wants to talk to him from time to time. I don't think anybody should be afraid that it's going to be a Tony La Russa run team. It'll be a Pedro uh, Buffal type team. That's that's for All right. sure. Speaking of managers, I wanted to share this, uh, Bruce. Joe Madden was in town this week selling his book on the book tour, uh, Book of Joe. Terrific read. I would recommend anybody who is a Joe Madden fan, who's a baseball fan, to go out and get it. I, I was privileged to uh, interview Joe for 45 minutes at the Union League Club of Chicago in front of an audience and went, had a good back and forth, and he's still as genuine as ever. And I know you know that, Bruce. We've talked to him here on the show, and he's been a guest of and a friend of the station for a very long time. He kind of was very honest about where he stood in terms of whether or not he will manage again, and it would have to take a, a perfect situation. And he writes this in the book. I want to get your thoughts real quick. Quote, in today's game of baseball, front offices say they're looking for leadership qualities, but they don't care if the guy is ready to lead or not as long as he can follow them. A good leader has to be a great follower in order to be that. Interesting stuff from Joe Madden, and I think it speaks to this whole idea about what a manager, as we talked to Terry Francona earlier in the show, what a manager has to do in, in the way of communicating, maybe giving a little, and yet not letting people forget that he is still the leader of this clubhouse. It's a delicate balance, Bruce. I think the poster guy for that type of manager is Dave Roberts with the Dodgers, okay? We know that the front office and the analytics department has huge say-so there uh, under Andrew Friedman. Uh, but Dave Roberts has made it work. He's been, uh, you know, a terrific manager there. They've only won one World Series, but, you know, they've been to the playoffs 10 years in a row, won nine divisions under Dave. It's probably been six now. Um, so he balances the whole thing pretty darn well. He, he gets people take shots at him from both sides, analytics and from the scouting side of it. So that, that must mean that you're balancing it pretty well. Uh, I think I think Pedro will have a chance to do that. I think that David Ross does that very well with the Chicago Cubs as well. You think Joe Madden manages again? It's a hard question to answer. I would say with all the success of older managers right now, uh, you have two guys that were over 60 years old as manager of the year this year. You have Dusty Baker, as you pointed out, that won the World Series. I would say, yes, he does. If he doesn't, can we add an hour and add him to the show and he can do 11 to 12? With No offense, Rosie, but you know Joe Madden's available. <laughs> Let's add him to the mix. Mitch would say, we're going to have to pay Joe Moore and Bruce, you're out. David and, uh, and Joe <laughs> Bruce, will be doing the show. Bruce. No, we don't have to have a salary cap. I want to keep you, too. You're still batting cleanup, man. After today, you can bat wherever you want. Believe me, there is a salary cap in all of sports media. No question about it. David, great show. Uh, Take us home. Uh, People can follow me on Twitter at MLB Bruce Levine on our website, 670thescore.com. Stay tuned right here at The Score. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, will follow us. Thank you to everyone for listening. Thank you, Terry Francona. Thank you to Dustin Kelly. Thank you, Sean Sears, our great producer. Bruce, thank you for lining up these great guests. Those were two really fun, entertaining conversations and thank you for all the work that you do. We will be back here on next week, Saturday, inside the clubhouse. Monday morning, Molly and Hoff, 5.30 to 10, breaking down the Bears game. Saturday, Sunday against the Falcons. Thanks for listening, everybody. Inside the clubhouse, Chicago Sports Radio, 6.70 the score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours 
and great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hey, 